And I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, <laughs> Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and in essence, catch up on our cinema. Uh, he says, trying not to do a spit take while yeah. his co-host uh, apparently does the same. Yeah. Uh, botched intro aside, uh, <laughs> welcome to the month of May 2023, uh, wherein we are celebrating by doing an event month we're calling Kyle's Kitchen Sink. Uh, so, Kyle, would you care to introduce uh, Kyle's Kitchen Sink and what we'll be reviewing today? Uh, yes. So, I... First of all, I'm just going to say at the top here, I want to apologize for my audio. Unfortunately, I left my microphone uh, in another part of the state. Uh, so I thought, like, oh, let's just like really fuck with the listeners and Trevor for this episode and sound like shit. So apologize. No, 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 Kyle, Kyle. You left it at site B. <laughs> <laughs> There's some velociraptor running around in Costa Rica with your microphone. It's okay. You know, it's, it's a worthy sacrifice to get you back home and on the show. Yes, thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, I had to take the week off last week, uh, but I'm back from my kitchen sink where I basically just pulled movies out of my ass to watch. Uh, and this week went with uh, Traffic from 2000, uh, directed by Steven Soderbergh. Um, this is one that I watched several times as a kid. Uh, well, yeah, because I was about 11 when this movie came out. Um, I watched several times, and this was like the fir my first big exposure to hard drug use. This is not a this is not a child's film. This is not a movie you should be watching before high school, essentially. Um, but I believe this is your this was your first time watching it. Uh, it actually was. Um, I knew this film by reputation. Uh, obviously, it's a Steven Soderbergh film, so that, that name alone carries a certain amount of uh, cachet yes. uh, with it. Uh, but I know this film, amongst his filmography in particular, uh, is very widely known and kind of beloved in a lot of circles. So I was really shocked that you picked it, because I, I had no idea that you had any sort of connection or appreciation for it. But um, for me, this was a hell of a win, like just an opportunity to have an excuse to, to watch this one because I've been hearing about it my whole life. Yeah, it's fucking excellent. It's just as good as I remember it. Um, so Steven Soderbergh, we talked about this just briefly before we started recording. He is the master of the ensemble cast uh, film. He's, let's see, he's done all the Oceans movies. Oceans 11 and 13 are fantastic films. Oceans 12, you can just, you can just skip that. Skip right over that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the Informant, which isn't an ensemble, uh, isn't an ensemble uh, film, but it's an excellent Matt Damon film if you haven't seen it. Uh, and your beloved films, the Magic Mike, uh, the Magic Mike films. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kevin Nash is in those fucking films. You better believe they're beloved films. <laughs> I was referring to you and, uh, oh gosh. Oh, oh Orion, yes, Bloody Orion, yeah. Yes. We did, we did begin, uh, we did begin a short film uh, with a Magic Mike joke. Yeah, that's a good memory, Kyle. Wow, that's a deep cut for a reference no one on the internet will <laughs> <Nobody> get. Nobody <laughs> knows. <laughs> uh, and then I, I would consider it kind of ensemble, but he also did Logan Lucky. I mean, we've got, we've got quite a few, quite a few characters in there. There's one big one that uh, is worth mentioning is Contagion. Oh yes, um, yes, 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 yes. That's yes, yes. a that's also a massive cast. Um, also has tons of plates spinning. Um, seems to be something that maybe he enjoys. Uh, that that whole process of not necessarily directly connecting multiple storylines with many, many, many characters across the globe, but just finding a way to make a cohesive edit 
uh, with all those storylines kind of crossing each other and running parallel to each other. It's quite the undertaking, but the man, the man's got some talent uh, when it comes to arranging all that. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, like I just want to list off the cast really quick because uh, I think that he does a fantastic job of using actors, like using actors for their strengths. And I definitely think they're like um, Miguel Ferrer, I think is used really well. Michael Douglas is used very well, but like kind of, some like surpriser surprising ones in this film are like Topher Grace and Benicio del Toro, like completely outside of uh, what they usually do. I think Benicio del Toro is my my number one. I think he's the the best of this. Yeah, no, I I think he's truly the standout amongst the cast. Mm-hmm. Um, and and in fact, if memory serves, he got an Oscar uh, for this film. Oh, good. Uh, but, good. but either a nomination or a win. I think it was a win though for best supporting. Um, well-deserved. He, he was excellent in this. He does so much with just his physicality and, and the way he handles himself. Um, he says a lot with, with saying a little mm-hmm. in this. Plus, I mean, the man is not Mexican. Um, no. and, he, and he very much projects like an authentic energy about him. A lot of research, time, and effort went into speaking a, a very different dialect of Spanish, uh, brushing up on his vocabulary, and really selling the fact that he's he's from down there, as opposed to Puerto Rico, where he actually is, you know, from. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, one other character who was a bit of a sleeper, Clifton Collins Jr., I forgot that he was this role. He That was so ironic, seeing him play this particular role, and then seeing him in Boondock Saints. I know. <laughs> Fuck you, like, Troy Duffy. Uh, they're probably only a couple years apart, honestly. Oh. It's like, how the fuck did this guy do both of these roles? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> what? It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna hit, I'm gonna knock out this cast real quick. So we got Michael Douglas, Benicio del Toro, Catherine Zeta Jones, Don Cheadle, Luis Guzman, jo- uh, Jacob Vargas. Which I know who he is. That is the. Uh, He's Benicio del Toro's partner in this film, but he's done some other things. Miguel Ferrer, Topher Grace, Erica Christensen, Albert Finney, uh, Clifton Collins <laughs> Jr., <laughs> Viola Davis, Peter Riegert, Dennis Quaid, Dennis Quaid. Uh, oh, Kyle, I'm, I'm slipping it in. Mm, you're so fine. You're so fine. <laughs> baby, baby, you're <laughs> so fine. You're so That's what he said when he sat down with Catherine. As soon as he showed up in the scene, is he going to tell her how fine she is? It's, yeah, he wanted to. It's pure and touch, can't be replaced. It transcends time, it's bigger than space. Uh, <laughs> Stephen Bauer, uh, yes. you may know him as Manny Rivera from Scarface. James, mm-hmm. James Brolin, and then... Possibly my my second favorite character, Thomas Millian, who plays uh, General Salazar. Yeah, uh, and uh, did you mention John Slattery, uh, one of your buddies uh, I, from what Mad I, Men? I have him in my notes. He he didn't okay. make the top build. He he definitely was like John Slattery. I was so excited. <laughs> the man who wears suits. Mm-hmm. That's kind of his lot in uh, in Hollywood casting. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. yes. Um, but yeah, I mean that's. I mean, there's some other people I'm missing out of there. Like fucking Salma yeah. Hayek shows up to be a dick for a little bit. Uh, <laughs> that's her whole job in the movie. Um, <laughs> she's married to a drug lord. Uh, in real life, she's married to a French billionaire. You know, she, she's married for love. Yeah, she uh, she has a reputation in in my home state uh, because they're, they're uh, the Ramtha crowd, I believe. 
Um, it, it's borderline cult um, that I believe has gatherings uh, in some part of Washington, and I believe she's in with them, or Did, at least that was the rumor. Oh, I was like, is it a is it a cult that just jerks off to that scene of Quentin Tarantino sucking beer off of her feet in the event <laughs> from dusk till dawn? Because <laughs> I didn't know that clip existed until yesterday. I'm like, what the fuck, QT? <laughs> Yeah, that is a thing that happened, shockingly enough, in a film he did not direct. I know. <laughs> Robert I know. Rodriguez, you, sir, are an enabler. Yes. <laughs> That's what you are. <laughs> you think you're helping, but you're not. Yeah. <laughs> um, Go make another Spy Kids. <laughs> uh, so I guess the, the I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. I think it's a little misleading, but it, it does kind of... It does like give us a whole of what's happening. Um, a conservative judge is appointed by the president to spearhead America's escalating war against drugs, only to discover that his teenage daughter is a crack addict. <laughs> two DEA <laughs> agents protect an informant, a drug and a drug a jailed drug baron's wife attempts to carry on the family business. Spoilers in there, folks, unfortunately. But yeah, that is geez. a pretty good plot summary. A lot of those are like late developments. And Seriously. Yeah. Like, huh. Actually, you said the quiet part loud there. <laughs> Actually, can you just beep out the, the like, just go the part with about <laughs> Catherine Zeta Jones? Like, yeah, that, that was that was really really unjustified, man. Like, like you do want people to watch this fucking film, right? Yeah. Seriously. Um. But yeah, at the top here, is there anything you want to say here at the top? Uh, well, I think uh, being as this is our first time covering uh, his body of work, uh, Soderbergh, as, as we said, he is the director of this film. Kyle gave us a really solid rundown of some of his oeuvre, um, his tendency to do a lot of massive ensemble casts. Um, but in particular, I think it's it's also worth noting some of his other stylistic tendencies. I'm I myself, I don't know about you, Kyle, I don't know if you mentioned it, but I myself am not like hugely familiar uh, with his films. I've seen my fair share for yeah. sure. I've seen Contagion. I've seen the heavy hitters. Uh, yeah, I've seen a, a couple of the Ocean's films. Mm. Kyle's absolutely right. Twelve was not good. Wow. Um, th- Thirteen, I've heard is is solid. Actually. It's fantastic. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a return to form. Uh, I've heard good things. Uh, I don't remember a frame of Out of Sight, but that's probably the earliest of his films that I have seen. Uh, Aaron Brockovich, I know, won ah. lots and lots and lots of critical acclaim. I, I saw it. It was good. Uh, and, yeah, I think the main thing to point out um, is the style of this film and how it it's kind of indicative of some of his tendencies as a filmmaker. Um, one is the, the visual language of the movie. Um, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit more as we get into the plot of the film, but there's a lot of visual signaling uh, built into the the color grade and the uh, cinematography in the film that does a lot to guide your brain uh, through the, the the many 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 different storylines that were that are running parallel to each other as we move through the film. Um, on top of that, uh, his uh, cinematography is I I would characterize this movie as being one that you watch rather than like rather than like a high drama film that grabs you by the throat and won't let you go it's it's you're it's a verite kind of like fly on the wall experience it feels like almost a documentary in some respects where it just feels like you are observing a story unfolding in front of you rather than an assembled film in some respects um but on top of that uh 
really important. Uh, he served as a cinematographer uh, for this film. Mm. Um, not only that, camera operator. Uh, he was holding the camera uh, during during filming. Uh, he found it to be more efficient. He found it to be uh, something that helped with his directing process because it allowed him to have direct connection uh, to the actors as they're performing. Um, and I want to say that that speaks to his reputation amongst actors is if you can do that, if you can be wearing both of those hats at once and be juggling a massive cast like this, he's probably a very likable guy. Yeah. <laughs> like he probably has a lot of fucking friends and they're probably all very, very loyal to him. But I was very impressed to read that, um, that he was actually serving as camera operator and making all these shot choices on his own uh, without assistance and actually handling the gear himself. Um, and also the, the edit of the movie, um, he is, his filmography is characterized as being somewhat experimental uh, in the way he presents his films, not just visually, but in terms of the editing language of his movies. He uses jump cuts, um, which I've often thought of as a, as a no-no um, in narrative filmmaking, but he frequently does it, not just in this film, but many of his films, and somehow... Uh, he just slathers his movies with that secret sauce that just fucking makes it work. It's like it really shouldn't, but somehow it just does. Um, so all credit to him. He breaks. He breaks the rules. He breaks. He like knocks down boundaries and whatnot. Um, some like somewhat fearlessly in some respects. And yet I, I have zero criticism of his filmmaking for the most part. In fact, the man has a, a semi-competent action film under his belt. Uh, has a little bit of a unfortunate reputation these days um uh kyle it's a haywire uh have you ever heard that name before i have not okay so backstory uh haywire um i believe the story was uh steven soderbergh uh i think he actually went out of his way to recruit her like he actually just approached her like he he was inspired and he wanted to make a film with her gina carano uh, who is not allowed yeah. uh, back on the set of The Mandalorian, uh, and, and in fact is an employee of Ben Shapiro these days, as far as I understand. Um, he made an entire star vehicle for her in the form of Haywire. It's mm. a it's an action spy thriller with her in the lead, her first acting role. I believe she'd done some reality television. She was on a iteration of American Gladiators at one point. Um, <laughs> I can see that. I remember seeing her in a promo for it, and then like it, it just registered in my brain. It's like, that is that same gal from uh, Bellator or whatever the fuck uh, uh, fighting organization she used to fight under. But um, yeah, they made a whole movie built around Gina Carano, and there is a centerpiece moment that you may want to look up on YouTube, Kyle, uh, wherein she throws hands w against Michael Fassbender, mm. and it is a protracted, brutal uh, fistfight slash wrestling match slash slash uh, jujitsu uh, rolling session in a hotel room uh, towards the middle of the movie. It's pretty good, actually. My money would be on her anyway, but yeah. <laughs> she's stout yeah uh, fastbender's got the length and he's got he's wiry he's wiry <laughs> but but yeah uh soderbergh did make that movie it also has a massive um ensemble cast including uh ewan mcgregor as kind of a slimy shitbag that's Ooh. an interesting turn for him he does it pretty well um actually made me think of that not so great uh birds of prey movie oh. and how he's framed in that one oh, that's not that? a good thing to think about yeah he plays black mask in that Dude. and that really upset me because in terms of like the batman rogue gallery 
Um, I do kind of like Black Mask as a bad guy, and I was kind of waiting for him to show up in movies, and now he's shown up, and it's like, dude, I got that could have gone better. (laughs) I got neuralized the second that movie turned off. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Like, I have no idea what I just watched. Yeah, I, I. I unfortunately didn't get a whole lot out of it either, and that's that, that's really unfortunate. But yeah, anyway, I'll, I'm done ranting. Point is, Soderbergh's a very, very, very capable filmmaker. Branches out, does a, covers a lot of genres very capably. Again, has done action, has done drama, has done comedy, has done heist, done it all well as far as I know. Uh, and this movie is no exception. Yeah, it is no exception. Um, so I'm going to move as quickly, but I want to just kind of like set up the different storylines. Like Trevor said, so we have the three filters. Uh, we have two filters and then Catherine Zeta-Jones, her story doesn't really have a filter. It's like we're just a normal uh, and the FBI inform or the uh, the DEA officers as well. Like there's no filter from them. Hers, hers is kind of bridging those two stories, both Mexico yeah. and and the cops. Yeah. So, it, like appropriately, her her color palette, her the the look of her sequences does feel like an in between uh, for all that. Oh, buddy, I'm sorry. I watched Quantum Mania last night. Wow, just ugh. please elaborate. <laughs> it's really not good, and it literally is green screen the whole movie is just green screen the whole movie i mean if you want to find the perfect way to piss off kyle and turn him off like completely disengage him from your film there you go you found it i'm trying to get closer to a microphone that's not in front of me i'm trying to emphasize (laughs) emphasize just wow uh, it's relevant because it has Michael Douglas in it. But yeah, so we have our yellow filter, where, where we spend most of our time in Tijuana or in, or in Mexico, um, is Benicio Del Toro and Jacob Vargas, his partner. I'm not going to go actors. I'm just going to go with the actors' names. It's just going to be easier to keep track of. I think that's through. easier, yeah. Uh, because there's just too many people. So they are yeah. state police, and they manage to take over a drug bust. Um, but... This drug bust has basically opened them up to a new career opportunity, and that is to try to take down a um, the Tijuana cartel, working with the general. Uh, there, so Benicio del Toro basically has to balance uh, working for the general as he's realizing it's not quite what he thinks it is, while also trying to keep tabs on his partner, who is I'm not going to say a loose cannon, but he's acting irrationally and irresponsibly so that's kind of their threat um and benicio del toro kind of wants to get out of this job moving forward um and then we have michael douglas playing i believe he's a supreme court an ohio supreme court justice who leaves he retires from that to go work for the current uh, presidential administration in a position that basically everyone is telling him is impossible and he's wasting his time <laughs> um, while also having to deal with a daughter who's 16 um, struggling with drug addiction. Uh, we got to talk about Topher Grace uh, before anything else, <laughs> before, before, before we start talking about the movie proper, because I have a theory about uh, him. Okay. Oh, he's, okay. he's great in this movie. Um, and then we have, like I said, we have John, Don Cheadle and Luis Guzman playing DEA. Um, they are basically babysitting Miguel Ferrer, who is an informant who is um, going to testify against Catherine Zeta-Jones's husband, Manny Ribeiro, uh, <laughs> uh, who is 
is a very successful um, pillar of the La Jolla community um, who has been arrested on and arraigned for uh, drug trafficking. Uh, he's basically the biggest drug smuggler, drug smuggler in Southern California. And as we spoiled at the, at the top, Catherine Zeta-Jones had no idea he was doing that. And now she has to figure out a way to make ends meet while he is behind bars. So I think I covered the, the stories pretty well there. Um, I want to talk about this general character. So like I said, we, we, we kind of start at the beginning in Tijuana, Benicio Del Toro and his partner like doing this drug bust, basically. And there's there's this phantom character that we kind of hear about throughout the film. I think it's... Um, Oh, what's his name? The the guy with the face, the guy with the plastic surgery. Do you remember his his name? They call oh, him something. I don't remember the character's name, but he he does a his unexpected survival of certain events uh, leads to quite a lot of revelations and complications later on in the story. But no, I don't remember the character's name. Sorry, that's okay. Um, but yeah, they basically do this drug bust and uh, they get stopped by the general Salazar, who I said was played by Thomas Millian. This character's choice, like this actor's choices with this character, he's like a snake. I think it's the best way to describe him. He's so I, I find him to be the most striking. Like his the way his performance, I think, was just really a lot of fun for this film. Yeah, looking at his filmography is really fascinating because he is a uh, Cuban, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, ethnically. Um, however, the the vast majority of his body of work apparently was uh, conducted in Europe, largely spaghetti westerns, yeah. uh, working with Italian filmmakers. Um, and he's got a great face for that. He's got great energy for that. I could see him playing a black hat in a uh, in a western of some for sort. For sure, uh, yeah. You know, hanging out with Lee Van Cleef or something. <laughs> um, but on top of that, you know, he apparently is in Amistad. working under steven spielberg Um, and later in his career it looks like he worked with a lot of fantastic filmmakers (laughs) funny enough he uh he worked under a fellow cuban uh andy garcia Ah. uh, who was serving as director of the lost city so a very accomplished actor and uh, kyle is absolutely right the energy he brings to this role is really fascinating because he he can go he in the same breath he can go from sounding like your dad or your uncle to sounding like the guy who's about to put put two between your eyes yeah. um, in the same breath. Um, and he keeps vacillating back and forth between those energies. And it's like, I have no idea if this guy's going to zig or zag. Um, yeah. that's, that's, he's a very intimidating presence while also being very polite yes. and warm most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> his, his dinner scene with Clifton Collins Jr. was pretty great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that that's actually the, the thing that I jump to in my mind when I think of representing the character that the way that plays out is like oof that that's power man him, <laughs> him tapping his fingers i forget exactly it's like he's tapping it on a board or something and it's just the way he's like playfully talking to benicio del toro i'm like oh that was a good choice just a little tapping well, yeah his introduction when he's leaning against the car yeah like, it, you're, you're just like am i about to get shot or is this guy commending me because yeah. it sounds like he's doing both yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah he takes over this drug bus basically from the two of them and they're like shit like that's the big man like that's the that's the feds basically um yeah i one of the uh one of the next things is we get introduced to michael douglas like they said he's a conservative uh supreme court i believe a supreme court justice here and he's like his last day uh and there's a little thread with him um he's a bit of a drinker not a drunk by any means but he's just a guy that you know likes to have a drink each evening which 
isn't unreasonable, but it's just kind of a character trait of his. I like the way they introduce that. Mm-hmm. It's ultra subtle, but um, he's a uh, bidding one of his uh, assistants farewell, um, and he presents the guy, a younger fella, uh, with a glass of, I assume, scotch or something. Yeah. And the guy like takes just a little bit of a sip and is like, <coughs> <Yeah>. <coughs> like, like it's it's heavy shit. And Michael Douglas just gives him a look like, the fuck's your problem, Junior? Pussy. Yeah. <laughs> Pussy. <laughs> this is a big This is a big glass that he gave him. There's a funny gag in Mad Men. Freddie Rumson, uh, played by one of the Murray brothers. I can't remember which one he is. Um, the one that's not the other two. Uh, if that makes any sense. <laughs> so not Brian Doyle, yes, the other one. The other one. Um, he hints, he's like, anybody want something to drink? He's basically hammered in his office. And Sal's like, I'll take a little something. He pours him a glass filled to the rim, like to the top. And he's just like, uh, thanks, buddy. Uh, he had to take a leave of absence shortly after that because he was a bit of an alcoholic. Um, mm. <laughs> yes, but uh, now we have like no filter or like a, a light filter. We're in San Diego. Uh, Don Cheadle, Luis Guzman. I love Luis Guzman. Uh, he's always great. I know. He's just the best. I know. He, he, he usually just plays... Luis Guzman and everything you throw him in, but I, he's welcome on any yes. set, man. Yeah. I just love hanging out with the guy. He's great. Yeah. He <laughs> pops up in community. And <laughs> guess what? <laughs> oh, man, that's great. I didn't know that. Although, he, he is a statue. Like, there's a, there's a Luis Guzman statue on the campus. What? Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. It's a fantastic show. Um, but, yeah, basically, they are undercover DEA agents, and they're setting up um, Miguel Ferrer. He's a bit of a middleman, basically. Uh, they're just doing like a like a, a nice, basically they're they're buying about enough that they can just nickel and dime basically just like a, a good amount, nothing crazy. Um, but this, this is a jurisdictional mess that happens here with this bus. Like we have, they're like they're still like sitting in there with him. Like like they don't he doesn't know that they're Asians. And then like the fucking local police come in out of nowhere, and he's like, it just it's a shit show basically. Um, it's pretty incredible the way it plays out yeah. and uh credit to soderbergh um the sound design um and during the shootout here is weirdly authentic like like the the gunfire sound effects it, it doesn't sound stagey it doesn't sound like like you know hollywood sound library number 35 or whatever it, like sounds like they maybe captured live on the set audio or something because it, it's very authentic and the chaos of the situation is nerve-wracking yeah because it, it's it's people flashing badges at each other and all just everybody shooting in the general direction of where they think people are. It's fucking nuts. Uh, by the way, Miguel, smartest man in the room forever, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love him so much. He's great. And he's great in he's great in this role in this film because he has insight that Everybody else in this movie desperately needs yes. to be brought in on, but they just won't listen to him. <laughs> I think, I think, I mean, because this is, uh, guys, folks listening at home, Reagan was a dumbass. Okay. I'm just going to go ahead and say <laughs> Reagan was an absolute dumbass. And you can quote me on that. The war on drugs is stupid. And that's what this movie kind of is telling people. It's kind of like this. Mo- I feel like this was his like message. Just like, Hey, the war on drugs is kind of a waste of time. And he, and Miguel Ferrer is basically that person who's like, he's that voice box. He's the voice of reason. Yeah. 
Like I said, Miguel, smartest man in the room forever, because every time he opens his mouth, he's speaking the goddamn truth. Yes. And because it's Miguel Ferrer, the way he's saying it, it's like, I, Jesus, I think this guy knows what he's talking about. He is so he is so good at that. Yeah. Just just being five steps ahead of everybody and being so fucking surly about it. Yeah, I, w- I love him. I miss him so much. I want his picture on my office. Like, I want his like his picture. I'm like, just trying to channel Miguel. Just trying to channel his characters. Like, be a oh. dick and way smarter. <laughs> Please, Kyle. Instead of family photos, you should definitely you should definitely have like a, like an ornamental frame of some sort so people think that like your wife or something is on your. T- it's just Miguel Ferrer with his fingers tented, looking pissed off. Is, it, is this your dad? No. Is he a family member? Of course member? not. No, it's Miguel Ferrer. Huh. <laughs> Do you know him? No, he's dead. What What do you want from me? <laughs> I'm working. I mean, the appropriate answer is he wouldn't want to know me. <laughs> he wouldn't want to know me. He, he doesn't have time to know people like me. No. Um, but the, yeah, so the drug boxes that are there have the scorpion on it. Same that were down in Mexico. The one that Benicio Del Toro found with his partner. There's a chase and, and uh, he... Uh, Ferrer hides in a ball pit and gets his foot shot. Uh, and also, he had shot. That was cute. He shot Don Cheadle in the arm, which was a really fucking stupid. But uh, I feel like maybe he did it because he wasn't sure. He wasn't clear like what kind of bust this was. This could have been another cartel for crying out loud. I think. He, I think he just wanted to get out of there. Yeah. Like it seemed like you know if this guy dies, he dies. Yeah. But he didn't stick around to to keep fighting. He, he immediately booked it, and then he even lost his gun along the way. He he was in it for survival, yeah. basically, and it just didn't work out. Topher Grace, because we're about to get introduced to him here, because he is in an Ohio suburb, and we are doing coke and smoking weed, and he is about to get a sixteen-year-old girl hooked on crack. Um, did you notice that at no point do we see him do drugs on screen? Uh, yes. Uh, no, wait, wait, wait. That I don't think that's true. He only drinks. He, doesn't he do some blow while he's sticking around on the computer? When he does, do, he does do a little bit of blow, but you don't see him smoking any crack, uh, basically. No, yeah. no, 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 no. He gives it to her. Yes. I think that. I think that's yeah. very intentional yeah. on the part of the narrative. But, uh, yeah, he does He does a line of something. Yeah, he does blow, do a little blow, um, yeah. when, I mean, the way he's talking, yeah. the way he's acting, that scene, it's like, I'm pretty sure, even if we didn't see it, I'm pretty sure beforehand, like, two frames before the film started, he was uh, well, doing I feel something. Like, I mean, uh, that 70s show was in full swing at this point. I'm just like, I feel like if they were going to, he was going to do the movie, he's like, he's not smoking crack. He'll drink a little bit, maybe do a little blow, but do not show him smoking crack. Yeah, as his agent, I, I wouldn't be surprised if something like that would be important for his, you know, young actor in Hollywood reputation at yeah. that point. Because he was still the funny guy. Like, he wasn't attempting to do serious drama just yet. Like, although this is serious drama, his particular role in it is pretty light for the most part. He's largely here for sleaziness and comedic effect. He's grown on me. Like, I, I didn't really like him when I was younger. I'm like, he was fine on that 70s show. We all loved Kelso. Uh, but... Um, I actually kind of enjoy because I also learned that he's actually a pretty nice guy in real life, which is always nice to hear. I've always kind of liked him. Like I've always thought he was a very specialized tool. Exactly. Um, he has a he has a particular look and uh, his delivery on that '70s show, and you know, pretty much all of his roles, if we're being honest, is very unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a specific cadence and delivery that's like somewhere between thinking he's a little smarter than everyone else in the room but also being kind pathetic of, yeah, kind of dumb <laughs> but be but like as an actor being very comfortable with the response that comes with that that's not something you find all the time 
Steven Seagal, for instance, yeah. <laughs> would not be okay with portraying a character like Topher Grace. Um, but he he very much is, as Kyle had said, used uh, in the appropriate way in this film. He is asked to do the things that he is exceptionally talented at doing, and as a result, yeah, his performance in this is very memorable. Um, yeah, he ends up taking uh, what's her face, Erica Christensen, to the side. Like, hey, you want to try something? I mean, they're just you know, they're a bunch <laughs> of like these are all like prep school rich kids in a really nice Ohio suburb. Uh, and I, I first thought this was crack. I think he did a little crack and heroin mixture because the way it hits her, it should have. I feel like it should have made her a bit more like uppity, um, but. I, I could be wrong because I think she kind of gets introduced to heroin later. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I'm, I know it's, uh, it shows my ignorance and my naivete, but like I'm not super good at identifying which hard drugs are being done in movies and stuff. Like I, I, I of course, went through like the public school system, <laughs> so all this stuff was talked at me. But it's important to note, like I'm stone cold sober, so for me, I, I just kind of was like. I just tuning it out. I was probably drawing most of the time during those classes. I just assumed this was crack because it seems like he goes through the process like uh, like just doing that. But I mean, I mean, this is how people smoke. If there's a spoon or tin foil involved, it, it, it it's something bad. It's something, it's something <laughs> that's, bad. All, that's all I know. <laughs> I love, like I said, I think I said before one of the episodes. I'm like, I just want to see that girl smoke crack again. I love this shot of her. It's perfect. Like it, it. I think the way it's angled makes it seem so strange. Like, I don't know, like, you know what I mean? It's a little off kilter. She's, she has interesting light cast on her face because they're next to a windowsill. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, they probably used an eyedrop or something. It doesn't matter, yeah. but the, the one teardrop effect is very dramatic, yeah. especially the, the main thing that really heightens the drama with this particular story arc, which just happens to be the one that I'm least interested in, yeah, if I'm being for sure. completely honest. I, I'm I'm the kind of person who can get really easily sucked into procedurals of just like watching a complicated process like in all of its intricacies laid out to me. It doesn't have to have frills or like, you know, punch ups or something for me to be in, invested in watching something if it's put together well enough. But yeah, th- this like family drama stuff was honestly the least interesting aspect of the film. It's still very, very good. Yeah. Um, but to conclude the thought, the main thing that makes this heavy and interesting is she is 16. Yes. Um, and the actress somewhat convincing, I don't know how old she was, but she looks baby faced. Yes. And, and if you keep reminding yourself, like as, as rudimentary as some of these, these beats in the story are like as commonplace as they are across many other films that you've seen, the main thing that really drives the point home is she is 16. Yes. Like all of these things are happening to somebody who is 16. Yes. Yeah. 16. Not, not, not of legal age uh, for many of the activities uh, she's, you know, involved in uh, throughout this film. Yeah. uh, Not at all, but yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. But like I said, this is my first time seeing people do like hard drugs depicted explicitly on screen. So this always just kind of stuck with me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Especially if you saw it when you're relatively young. Too. Yeah. Uh, Cause I didn't know what was happening really. Uh, it wasn't until I got a little older, you know, look back on it. Um, we go to La Jolla. Catherine Zeta Jones is at rich lady, uh, a rich lady lunch at the country club kind of thing. We just kind of learn who she is. Um, Michael Douglas goes to D.C. first day with the new administration. James Brolin says, hey, 
you're going to, you can't do this job. Basically. He says it very eloquently. He tells him a nice story, but he's just like, there's, you're not going to do anything, but uh, good luck. <laughs> I really did love that anecdote. Uh, he, he attributes it to Khrushchev where he basically says like write two letters yeah. like when when you're preparing to leave your post like leave leave two letters one of which tells your successor like, blame, it blame, on me. blame whatever your first major crisis is blame that one on me the person who you replaced and then at the time of the second crisis uh pack your bags because yeah. <laughs> you only get one yeah. <laughs> and then somebody else takes your place and the cycle can, can yeah. continues um yeah shoot down to tijuana uh, benicio del toro is so charming here with these tourists i i loved his interaction with them it's just fantastic <laughs> but i love that laugh he yeah. gives when they when they get when they skip to the end yeah. and they're like so we have to pay you right and he's like <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they don't have to pay. Not, not me not though. Me. You're not paying yeah. me. Yeah, it's funny. So the the couple lost their car, and she's like, they call the police, which is him, and he's she's just he's like, I'm not gonna be able to get your car. He's like, but you're the police. He's like, I can't get your car. This guy has your car, and she's like, who, who, what 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 do we do? And he's like, well, you're gonna call him, and then he's gonna call the police and get your car. And they're confused. Like, we have to pay him. He's like, that's correct. <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> and they're like, we have money. He's like, no, let's go to the well, sidewalk. <laughs> you pay the guy, he'll pay yeah. me. Don't worry about it. I'm not taking your money. Yeah. Not in public. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, it's just a point it's out. adorable. Like, yeah, it's, it just is, he's just so charming with them. But yeah, it's just to point out, like, he's a good cop. And he's a good cop in a land of corruption, basically. Yeah. Full disclosure... I have an ex-girlfriend who was from Mexico City, and these were the stories that were these <laughs> always stories, told. Yeah. <laughs> these a lot of a lot of this bullshit was was how I was told life 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 just works this way <laughs> in this part in in where I come from. This is how the world works. Um, yeah, uh, we get back to DC. Uh, Michael Douglas is at like a black tie, not a black tie event, but like ever like a suits. Everybody's having like a it's like a function of some kind, and he's going around all these other politicians and just all these people that work in DC, and everybody's got their points of view, and they're all basically telling him, "You got your work cut out for you." Um, these are all the things, like just, just different points of view on drugs in general. Um, probably a little little disorienting just kind of like being thrust into this but uh still they do a good job with the editing mm -hmm. here to show how over his head like everything is yeah. like like how out of his depth he yeah. is at this point because it's rapid fire and everybody has a spiel he's drinking heavily during the party yeah. like he's just like oh my god this is a lot yeah. <laughs> yeah he's just like he's just some bumpkin from ohio who thought reagan was the greatest thing that ever happened and then he gets to dc and they're like this is a this is not going anywhere, bud. So good luck. He's like, man, I thought fucking Glenn Close was hard. <laughs> 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 this is ten times scarier. <laughs> I don't have one person to kill. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot. I can't even kill anybody to get out of this. <laughs> um. Yeah, then we go visit uh, Ferrer in the hospital. Um, this is absolutely coercion uh, that he says there. So this is... He calls him out on yes. it. <laughs> I wrote it down. I'm like, this is coercion. You are correct. He is in custody, and he has two officers, after he's invoked his right to counsel, trying to basically question him or trying to... They're trying to convince him to rat, rat out, basically. 
Um, but yeah, smartest man in the room. I'm telling you. <laughs> yes, you buy it by a very long shot. <laughs> it's like prison or probably death. Like ah, they still know you're gonna die if you're an informant. <laughs> you may not get to die in prison, but you will die if you if you rent this guy out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so basically, I, I do like this cut, like, because uh, we haven't even been introduced to Catherine Zeta-Jones' husband, I don't think. I don't even think we've seen him. Um, they're just talking to We spend a lot of time, like, not hearing him speak. Yeah. We see him getting, like, what Kyle's referring to here is we basically were poking Miguel Ferrer about who he can rat out to move move the process along, and it's a hard cut to somebody yeah. being dragged in cuffs out of a luxurious home and then Catherine Zeta-Jones running out behind him. And it happens so fast, it's like, I, I didn't even notice if it was Stephen Bauer or not. He doesn't have any dialogue. He just, like, zips by the camera in cuffs. And then I don't even think when he's in the courtroom he speaks. We just see the back of his head for a long time. Yeah. And it's quite a while before we even see his face. There may actually be some, like, intentional visual symbolism going on there. Uh, because y- you mentioned futility uh, in the in the drug war, mm-hmm. like maybe there's some symbolism going on there about how it doesn't matter who it mm-hmm. is. Oh, like, that's actually good. It, yeah, I think you might be right. Like it can be it it will be another person. It will be another person in court. It doesn't actually matter who the guy is. It's that the would, it's the organism itself. That would be kind of interesting to just never give him lines. But then again, I was expecting that for a while um, when they had the back of his head in the courtroom. But no, it, it is Stephen Bauer, the ironically named Stephen Bauer, who is. Most definitely Cuban, um, and was in Scarface, a film populated with many non-Cuban actors, but in the credits you see Stephen Bauer. It's very confusing. I mean... (laughs) It's it's a little funny how that worked out. Robert Loja, I think, is supposed to be Cuban in that movie? F. Murray Abraham. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think F. Murray Abraham could be ethnically ambiguous sometimes, like, but not there. (laughs) <laughs> and for all, for all I know, he may be part Latino. I it's very possible, yeah. Um, but yeah, I uh, I agree. I think that's an interesting. I never would have thought of that. But yeah, like he's almost fa- almost faceless, basically. But you do get you yeah. do get a look at him. Um, yeah, interesting revolutions. Um, <laughs> yeah. So ocean. Oh, when I saw this too, like he's getting arrested. I'm like, they have ocean front. They have ocean view property in La Jolla. Fuck off. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you had that coming. <laughs> Oof, yeah, you deserve to be in prison, sir. Um, but yeah, uh, we get to Tijuana. BDT is having a meeting with the general. And this is where I'm like, he's like a snake, the way he's talking to them. Like, just his demeanor. It, it Really, his performance is great. I wanted a little bit more of him in the film, but I understand that you have so much to cover. You can't spend too much time, but what little bits you get is great. But basically he says like, listen, I want you to go find Clifton Collins jr. Uh, he is an assassin for the other cartel. He basically got a bunch of my generals killed by being a rat. And I want you to bring him in basically. Um, we get to Ohio. We don't, my note is we don't say fuck in Ohio, young lady. This girl, this 16-year-old girl saying fuck at the dinner table, like, it's like like somebody asked about an F5 and Twister. It's like, holy shit. <laughs> oh. Yeah, uh, mom, mom gives her a, not not like a tongue thrashing or anything, but she is, she is not happy but, about that. The, but the look that Michael Douglas gives her is just like, oh my gosh, what is, what is <laughs> happening here? 
Yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, they- I love his I love his energy uh, in this movie. Just in general, Michael sure. Douglas has an aura about him. Just just big dick energy, as they call he, it. <laughs> he phones it in in Quantum Mania. It really is disappointing. Um, oh, that phones hurts, man. It in. He's also old. Aww. He's also old. Um, uh, that's you know who's looking fantastic these days still is Michelle Pfeiffer because she's in that movie and she looks just gorgeous still. She's great. She's great. She was great, is great. <laughs> um, and then I'm like, speaking of snakes, Dennis Quaid's character. You're so fine. <laughs> so, yeah, so Dennis Quaid is, I'm not sure if he's an attorney or if he's a close friend. I don't know what capacity he works for uh, her husband. He's great in this movie, but uh, I love, I love the way he operates with her is just like, listen, he's being detained and there's under no circumstances. Am I going to discuss it here? So that made me think he was an attorney. Um, but I wasn't positive. Yeah. I, I immediately thought attorney when he was using language like that. Um, but then I started thinking of, uh, the Thomas Jane Punisher and I was like, is he like a consigliere yeah. or something? Like- <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Uh, cause I mean, Catherine Zeta Jones's husband is, in organized, not organized crime, drug smuggling, organized crime. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what did I say? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Benicio del Toro in San Diego. Got him, coach. Uh, yes. Uh, I love this outfit that Benicio del Toro is wearing to the gay bar to get Clifton Collins Jr. Just fantastic. It's pretty great. This whole scene, the way it's conducted with so little dialogue, is kind of brilliant. It is. Because it, it gives you just enough information to draw a lot of conclusions. And there, again, uh, Benicio Del Toro, his physicality in this role communicates so much. Mm-hmm. Like he, the way he walks up to that bar, it's like he's he's there to do a mission. But as soon as he's in the bar, he's like, I'm OK, let's, let's do, this. do this. Yeah. 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 Um, and he, he sets the trap uh, with, with the cigarette. The honeypot, baby. He's the honeypot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He hook, line and sinker. Um, apparently, I, I read that this was kind of his idea oh, really? uh, to choreograph the scene this way. Apparently, it was written a different way uh, to have him. I mean, he, ultimately, he was going to get Clifton Collins somehow. Um, but I think it was his idea to have it be v- this succinct and to the point. Um, and then just the cutaway and how it's how brilliant. like the next time we see him, it's just he's in the back seat and he, and they have him. <laughs> it's like you don't need any more information than that. It's like, dude, he's a head taller than him and he's Benicio del Toro. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he could take yeah. him. <laughs> Most people are taller than Clifton Collins Jr. for sure. Yeah, he, he is a little yeah. guy. He's a little guy. He got big eyes, but he's a little. I'm guy. sure that this <laughs> next scene was nauseating for you. This is back to the Ohio drug den, and we're just. Oh, is the word pontificating? I don't really know where you're just talking. It's like high school philosophy, basically. Uh, yeah, there's some navel gazing going oh. on here. We're, 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 we're just saying stuff mm-hmm. that, you know, it feels profound uh, <laughs> at that stage of your life. <laughs> but it's so dreadfully boring to people who are 10 years beyond that. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. Shut the fuck <laughs> up, kids. Jeez, get a job. Get a job, you fucking bums. <laughs> get back to me when you're working 40 hours. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so there's this fucking poor kid that's hanging out with him. That's how she describes him later. Like, he doesn't run with us. Like, he's fucking poor. Uh, that was very cruel. Yeah. Uh, the way she handled it. They're them. not good people. They threw him thoroughly under the bus. Yeah. Uh, he ODs and. This this scene always gives me anxiety, dude. Fucking, it's 
Yeah, it's terrifying. The kid ODing in the house, and then they just go dump his body off at the emergency room, but the the hospital cops catch him. Uh, Fortunately, no one had drugs on them. But yeah, she's busted. (laughs) Plenty of drugs in their systems, though. Jesus. Yeah. No, the way they the way they handle it is it's really sad um, because of how realistic it feels. Mm-hmm. Where it's like nobody in the room has their wits about them, and none of them are mature enough to have any conception of how to handle this particular situation. I'm pretty, I'm surprised they didn't try to throw water in his no face. Shit, yeah, or some bullshit like that, or like take off his pants. <laughs> some some horseshit. Like put that. ice cubes in his ass. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta put ice cubes in his ass. Make sure his legs are above his head. Yeah. That'll help. That'll help. <laughs> yeah. Make him puke. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they just dump him. Or they try to. Yeah. It, it's it's terrible. Yeah. It, it's truly it's truly egregious the way they handle it. Yeah. Um yeah, then we get back to Tijuana or get back to Mexico and we're torturing Clifton Collins Jr. Again, he does fantastic in this movie. Uh, he does. Yeah. He does. It's a, this is a, a very uh brave or fearless performance mm-hmm. um the way the, how vulnerable he allows himself to appear on screen mm-hmm. um it, it's 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 praiseworthy well, i mean uh, because he 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 is completely under their thrall like he's under their control and he's not handling it well um and he's really selling how awful the situation is yeah it's just him screaming mostly like you don't really see anything happening like you get the idea but yeah it's him was that acid they were spraying him with fucking something it did not look happy whatever it was. something corrosive yes uh something that burns yes very much um yeah now we get Captain- icy hot they put icy hot <laughs> on his nuts <laughs> it's cherry banaka uh <laughs> uh it's one of the funniest things from Seinfeld. Cherry Banaka. Um, the yeah, the Catherine Zeta Jones. She has the uh, she has the chat with Randy Quaid, and she's like, "Is my husband a, a legitimate business owner?" He's like, "Absolutely." Shh. <laughs> so good. <laughs> uh, and basically, he like cranks the music really loud and just whispers in her ear. Carl is a huge fucking drug dealer. Uh, he's a huge drug smuggler. Um, that's what she finds out. But yeah, uh, Don Cheadle and uh, Luis Guzman are in a van outside uh, doing a stakeout. Now, Trevor, you know I like a good stakeout van. I know. As soon as the van showed up, I was like, no, this what? Is not, Kyle loves this movie. <laughs> this is not a good stakeout van. This is, I mean, I appreciate Luis Guzman smoking in there at one point, but like, it is not a good stakeout van. It is not too enough, sterile. Not enough coffee or, cuff, or a cup of noodles in there? Yeah. I need like a, a coffee pot or like a hot plate, just something in there, a microwave. Yeah. yeah. Some, Box of donuts, a cup of noodle, something like that. Yeah, a box of donuts. That's all you need was a box of donuts. I had a donut today. Or somebody has to show up with some tacos or something. Something, you know? yeah. <laughs> I mean, she felt so bad for him, she brings him a lemonade later. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at some point, one of them needed to be sent out to get some meatball sandwiches. No. Like, <laughs> it didn't um, happen, though, unfortunately. So I, I hate this idea that this was something that they tried to like push on us in the D.A.R.E. program. Did you have D.A.R.E. program? I did not, okay. shockingly enough. You know, liberal... North Seattle neighborhood. I, I'm kind of shocked I didn't get it. Yeah, we got it. Um, and it was, they would always try to put it like, Terrence is stressed out from school, so he's in the bathroom doing coke. And like, oh, like it, they always try to play it. It's like kids who had a lot of pressure on them. I'm like, I don't like that trope of it. Like, it's the gifted students turning to drugs. I'm like, that's not the problem, guys. It's the ones that have fucking shitty parents and let them do whatever they want. 
or worse, have shitty parents who are doing drugs in front of them are the ones that are more likely to turn to it, not this fucking gifted student. Don't make me feel bad for her. <laughs> like, as far as a, a rich kid, don't don't give me a rich kid turning to drugs and have me feel bad for them. Yeah, like, like I said, I I found meaning in it from her age. Yes, but of course. Like beyond beyond that, it it is it is the hardest to connect to. Yeah, I find like this particular story. Oh, this this poor girl goes through the ringer. I mean, it, she does. It's bad. It's really bad. Yeah. Um, is this where uh, Viola Davis has yes. her? couple of minutes of screen yeah. time i'm just not giving a fuck i love she she just does that so well like she's like you know you're a bright student right you probably shouldn't be here but also it's just like i don't give a fuck about you yeah well the way that the conversation concludes i think tells the whole story where she's just like doing the mental math like connecting all the bullet points and it's just like why are you here yeah like the fact that you're here is almost an insult to people like who have more leg- like like whose whose path in life makes more sense to me. Yeah. Like how they would end up so low. It's like you have you're doing so well in so many other areas of your life. Why would why would you get in your own way and just completely shit the bed in such a stupid fucking way? Yeah. Yeah, so she gets a she gets a tongue lashing at home. She basically said, "Yeah, we had this poor kid." Um that was with us, and it was his drugs. It's not a big deal. And her parents are just like, she's lying about this. And it was kind of interesting to see the way the two parents are trying to handle it at the same time. And you can start to understand where the pressure comes from from her. Uh, her mom is just like, hey, you know, this is, I mean, kids experiment with drugs and they make mistakes. Like, it's it, really the, the, the mindset you kind of should have towards these things. Maybe not in her and this girl's situation. She needs help because she has got a viper as a friend, uh, basically getting her hooked on hard drugs. But uh, Michael Douglas is like, no, we gotta, we have to. Ki- I think we have to kill her. Honestly, <laughs> we, have to, we can't be. Ha- he almost goes there. Yeah, <laughs> because he's just like, I am the anti-drug czar of the United States of America. I cannot have my daughter being seen as, uh, you know, a weakness. Yeah, he, he almost pulls a, a Norman Osborn go- Green Goblin. He's like, I'm I'm sorry, babe. We got to go back to formula with this daughter of ours. Yeah. <laughs> we got to try again. <laughs> we just got to try again. I'm sorry. <laughs> we just, we fucked up. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, his his approach is just like, we're, we should ground her. She's like, what the fuck is that going to do? It's not going to do anything. Um, and he's right. I, I mean, it, it, it the conversation is kind of parallel to the drug war itself yes. again it's just it's a quagmire where it's just like I, I don't know what there is no solution like either one has liabilities i don't know what the answer to this is parenting's fucking hard man. maybe we should have more treatment centers oh so we can perpetuate i'm not even getting started i'm sorry i'm done oh, but, 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 i'm not but, even it's, it's happening yeah. it's happening <laughs> yes i'm liberal okay just well i won't go down that road yeah um. <laughs> yeah in case you were at all curious folks both kyle and i are we're pretty we're liberal, pretty liberal. In, how, in, yeah. how, in our perspective. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, mom's known for six months, apparently, that she's been doing drugs. But uh, we get back down to Tijuana, and I like to call this good cop, bad cop. Um, basically, uh, the general has had his men torturing Clifton Collins Jr. for, I'm going to guess, a few days. It's been a couple of days, probably. They've been working him over. Uh, but then he comes in, like, the you could 
tell how bad it's been because as soon as this door opens, Clifton Collins Jr. is shaking in the corner, like just terrified. Like, Fuck, that's bad. But the general's like, get this guy some clothes. This is terrible the way you're treating him. Um, and uh, they are going to have dinner, but not right this second. Um, but yeah, uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones' husband. Wait, no, no, they do have the dinner right now, don't they? I think so. I mean, I don't remember the sequencing, but we may as well talk about it. Um, yeah, it's 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 interesting. He just kind of the way the general manipulates him. He's just like you know, he gives him a meal, gives him wine. He's just like you know, we're very similar, you and I. We have a lot in common. And he lets him talk and feel secure. And then he's just like, uh, he pulls out a pen and pad, and he's like, write down where all the other members of the cartel are going to be tomorrow. Because I'm going to get them tomorrow, basically. And he, like, really quick writes it down, breathing heavily. And then he just pounds a glass of red wine. Like, you can... His physical performance is just fantastic. Yeah, he really sells the the guilt and the strain that comes with having to... Like, it's not up to him at this point. Yeah. He's endured so much that it's just like, this is a survival thing. But he's not happy about it. Yeah. Like, like he is, he's There's no borderline good. in tears over it. There's no good outcome for him. And this is the only one that may get him, um, may get him out. But yeah, there's no... Yeah, it's like, it's either this or go back in the boo box, basically. Yeah. Um, Catherine Zeta-Jones' husband is denied bail. Um, John Slattery shows up. This is where he shows up. <laughs> uh, he's basically having a conversation with Michael Douglas. He's like, that kid, by the way, that was here, uh, had coke and heroin in his system. And he's like, uh, he's like, he asked him about, he asked him about his daughter. Like, what about her? He's like, well, my daughter doesn't do that kind of stuff. She's an honor roll student. And he's like, well, we'll keep that up then. <laughs> Just like, you naive <laughs> bastard. <laughs> Cut to her smoking crack in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, she does this a few times. Um, but yeah, she's, she has a system devised where she sits on the toilet and blows the smoke out the window Trevor. and then has air fresheners or something to try to cover it. That doesn't, that doesn't exactly sound foolproof to me, lady. <laughs> Trevor, I think what you might be overlooking is that this is a really big, expensive house, and she probably can do that because her parents don't really go over to that part of the house. <laughs> it's the Bruce Wayne effect. It's like, I don't think I've ever been in this room Seriously. before. <laughs> yeah, you should, you should see Michael Michael Jordan's mansion in Illinois. Like he has, he has he's like, I'd never use this room. <laughs> you can literally be down there smoking crack. He would never know. It would take him weeks to figure it out. Um, yeah, the Miguel Ferrer is basically informing. He says that he and Carl have been friends since they were kids, and this is also where he's kind of good. Like, you know that this is futile, right? You guys are fucking idiots. Like, this isn't going to do anything. You're wasting your time. Um, let's see here, and then Jacob Vargas, the partner, he's hanging out with the soldiers and. Be, uh, Benicio Toro's like, I I wouldn't hang out with those guys, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting how they continually drop hints as to where things are going. Like from minute one, honestly. Like even just uh, from a casting standpoint, just the difference in their stature. Yeah. Um, like he is made to look like the the more vir- virtuous uh, between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only that, when uh, they're called in to visit the general uh, to be recruited into his uh, his program, uh, Manolo uh, 
the other fellow Jesse Vargas, he isn't brought into the room initially. No, no. Uh, it's they they clearly have they they know which one of these guys is the alpha dog between the two of them. Uh, he's actually very funny. He's in uh, Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion, and he's in uh, Next Friday playing Joker, uh, <laughs> the best Friday movie. Um, yeah, yeah. This is where uh, the general goes and gets the other cartel cartel heads, and uh, it's pretty quick. Like it's just a few guys that we go and grab: Benicio del Toro, and maybe a few guys for backup. Uh, they left Clifton Collins Jr. Uh, go. They're just like he's like, "Are you going to kill me?" He's like, "No, no, no. The, the cartel guys will do that for us." Get the fuck out of here. Uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then, yeah, I love the border visits. I was just like, we go to the border, and he's just like, this is all the drugs that are coming in. Um, and it was it was interesting. He's just like, so he basically, this guy at the border tells him, Michael Douglas, he's just like, yeah, so this will disrupt their distribution. Like, this will disrupt their chain for a little bit. And that's where the violence comes from, is us interrupting these things. And that's when we have the violence. He's like, huh. It's like, you interrupt it, it causes the problems. Maybe just let it go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Miguel Ferrer at this point in the film has probably said it a handful of times, yeah. but this is, you know, this is somebody who actually has some measure of power in the American government being explicitly told this to his face. Yeah. And also he's being told the, like, just unconquerable statistics yes. about, about this. It's like... Uh, <laughs> like I don't know how feasible that is, buddy. Yeah, he, he says to him, he's, and I love the bit on the airplane too, when he's like oh trying God, to have this yeah. like this like football <laughs> huddle about like game time, guys. What what's our plan? Yeah, one guy, silence, ba- crickets. <laughs> the one uh, the one thing is just like what what do we need? And you know, open open to discussion. And the one guy's just like unlimited funds, and uh, like well, we're not going to get that. Basically, they're just like. The amount of money that the American government is dedicating to this is not even a fraction of how much cartels make or these organizations make keeping it going. Uh, like even um, Miguel Ferrer tells me he's like, yeah, we he's like basically we put guys getting caught with stuff into our into our uh, analysis like that's that's just part of it like we just get guys that yeah. have no that have nothing basically they can't even get hired on a crab boat <laughs> basically it's like <laughs> holy shit like they can't even get that hired. says a lot yeah like they can't even get hired there like they have nothing to live for and they're gonna get caught but enough gets through he's like guys th- this has been working for years okay you're not gonna stop this but yeah it's called a margin for error yeah it's like you, you just you just factor that yeah, in and gonna you, happen. if the numbers still line up your goal yeah. <laughs> carry on we're gonna lose some products <laughs> we'll still make money um it's like it's not a problem for me yeah. maybe that truck driver who i'll never meet <laughs> um the Carl and Catherine Zeta-Jones have a discussion. She's like, all of our f- assets are frozen, basically. Like, we just have no money. Like, we can't do anything. It's a uh, real weepy. It's a, it's a real weepy conversation that they have. Well, one of them's weepy. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> and then fucking, ah, this part always gets me. Where uh, Topher Grace takes her to, like, a really rough, like, a little rough area, basically, to just smoke crack and have sex in a really shitty hotel room. It's really gross. Uh, yeah, his uh, his proposal to her is kind of chilly. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the conversation, yeah, just like like he knows what he wants and he's gonna get <laughs> he's it. He's a go getter, Trevor. He's a go getter. He's a doer. He's a doer. <laughs> he's a doer. <laughs> um, this park confrontation is 
fucking terrified. This was one of the scary, like one of the scariest things in the movie for me was watching this. Now, now, Kyle, casting. Oh yeah, I recognize him. Who? Who doesn't want to wear the ribbon? Interesting casting choice, but he works here. Uh, he, I know it's yeah. just, uh, folks in Seinfeld. There's a there's a pair of fellas. Uh, who show up in a, a couple of episodes that they're uh, they're street toughs. They're a couple of street toughs that, <laughs> that always intimidate the core cast of Seinfeld. And um, yeah, they they steal an armoire uh, from Kramer. Oh yes, the armoire. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they're doing like a, a I think it's an AIDS walk or a breast <laughs> cancer awareness walk or something. And uh, they <laughs> they accost somebody <laughs> over not wearing the the ribbon associated with the walk but, but yeah uh, the fellow who steals an armoire from kramer uh attempts to steal a child you want to get hurt huh? i don't think you want to get hurt because if you want to get hurt i can hurt you you have some kind of product here we're taking the armoire and that's all there is to it okay i think he's one of the other detectives in bad boys too that they kind of have racist back and forths with um but yeah, he's basically... That's like 80% of the dialogue in those movies, isn't it? <laughs> Michael Bay production. A Michael Bay production. Um, yeah. yeah, so basically, like, this guy just comes up and starts playing soccer with their kid and, like, takes him down the beach a little bit. And there's, like, agents, like, DEA agents there, like, watching her. And they're like, if this kid makes a move, like, you guys got to break cover. Like, this is a serious situation. He just grabs this kid and he's just like... Your husband owes so much money that I could snap his neck right now. Wouldn't even cover it. And it's like, you better pay. It's like $3 million and you've got like a week, maybe. Like, you better get the fuck on it. Pretty terrifying. Yeah. No, the way the way it's handled, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, you know, every parent's nightmare. Like, being that far away from witnessing something happening to your kid. Or... Um, or- it's really effective. With somebody threatening you in broad daylight like that, it's like, that means they yeah, need and this. completely unafraid of any consequence. Terrifying. Love to have that kind of confidence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I would use it for that. I would just like to have that amount of confidence. Yeah, Kyle would use it as a force for good. I would use it as a force for good. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, then we have, uh, you know, the partner's wife coming to see Benicio Del Toro is like, listen, I think he's getting in some shit. He's got this scorpion cocaine in his pocket. Benicio Del Toro, you need to talk to him about it, you know, just need to set him straight. Um, and then he gets talked to by what who appear to be um, some kind of agents at a taco stand. By the way, these tacos look really good. Um, they're just, I know, they do. It's <laughs> like, you sound like you are unhappy with your current position. Here's our card. Um, he just, like, puts the plate over, like, okay, we'll see where that, see where that goes. Um... Michael Douglas at the bo- uh, the border again, and this is where he's at Juarez, and he's like looking over the looking over there, and he's like, "Well, how do we stop this?" And he's like, well, "We don't have the resources." Uh, he's like, "Well, who do I talk to over there?" The job doesn't exist. Like, there's there's nothing we can do, and this is the plane ride where they're just like, "We have no ideas on how to do this." So I think this is kind of where he's just like realizing, like, "Ah, shit." <laughs> now, yeah, it his his path is interesting because this is him initially like pounding the pavement and trying to get more involved being more aggressive mm-hmm. about tackling this problem because now he's seen you know that his family is touched by it in some way but now this is the part where it starts to shift where it's like oh fuck yeah. <laughs> like i don't think i can win this <laughs> you can't um yeah the- you're you are punching ghosts sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> You're just flailing in the darkness. <laughs> um, Catherine Zeta Jones with Randy Quaid, uh, and this is where she's just like, "What are we?" Randy Quaid. Did I say Randy Quaid? <laughs> Shit, Dennis different Quaid. movie, it's... different movie, right? <laughs> Would have been a little. Catherine Zeta Jones, your shitter's full. <laughs> yeah, the him kind of flirting with her on the couch scene would be way different with Randy Quaid. Then it would be with DQ. Well, I think he was kind of husky at this point too, so he'd be he'd be smelly looking, <laughs> breathing heavily, meat sweats. He always looked smelly looking. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of his signature, yeah. isn't it? Cousin Eddie, <laughs> Cuddy, cousin Eddie smells like stale beer and bo. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, accurate. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so dq is there with Catherine zeta jones and she's like we need money he's like well we don't have any money like there's nothing that we can do put a pin in that uh there's just you know there's nothing that can happen that he kind of does like the you know i remember the first time i saw you and she's just like really okay yeah look at- yeah i was i was really shocked by by how quick this turn happens i was like man why you gotta be like that Look at her face. Do you think she hasn't been hit on a thousand different ways her entire life? Come on. She knows every trick in the book. Yeah, she's great. She Late 90s, superb. Great. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> Did you see The Mask of Zorro? Fantastic. Um, Life-changing. Yeah. Great. <laughs> uh, so this next scene, so we get to Mexico City and Benicio Del Toro uh, and um, his partner are taking Salma Hayek they're just it's just kind of like a they're just taking her to be dropped off someplace it, it it's i'm like what the fuck is she doing here like when i was watching it i'm like what what does this have to do with anything but the 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 character we were talking about the plastic surgery apparently i think he was like the head of a cartel who had died under the knife yes. but now they've realized that this person is still alive so this is where it's like oh fuck there's a lot of shit going on right now that we didn't realize was happening I think the major revelation here is that the general is, he is associated with a rival cartel. Yes. He's not trying to stamp out the cartel. He's trying to bolster, he's trying to damage one to bolster the other. Correct. So he has an allegiance to the cartel and Benicio del Toro being as he's attempting to be as good and righteous a person as one can be under these circumstances. He's not happy about it, but I think his stance at this point is we have to keep our mouth shut. Yes, because he, because yeah, if yeah, his partners is like, well, you know how much they would pay for this kind of information, and he pulls the car right over. He's just like, he's like, shit, shit, yeah, you, you you're gonna die. <laughs> We're going to. So you want to die tonight? You want to go to hell tonight? Go ahead, open your mouth, yeah. see what happens. <laughs> uh, so did you catch this line? Um, I think he's talking. Somebody is telling him. He's like, yeah. Uh, General Salazar is going to probably be our contact on the other side as the person. And you and I, the viewer, are like, I don't think that he's going to be very helpful. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so this is where they're having a conversation in the car. She's just like, yeah, I'm about fed up with your daughter, basically. And she and she attacks him. She's like, you're the one that has to have fucking six scotches before you walk through the door. And he's just like, I take it to ha- I, I drink to take the edge off. Otherwise, I'd be so bored. I'm like, oh, ooh. yeah, yeah. That, that that conversation is domestic drama. Yes. The short film. Uh, that phone. That, that 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 car ride is is oof. It's like oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. She she uh, tosses the situation in his lap uh, by 
uh, pulling up to the house and then driving off instead of going home with him. Uh, so basically, she's like, you you need to step up and address things with our daughter because I've been I've been stepping up for too long now. Um, and so it's it's uh, it falls to him to go home and uh, handle things. Mm-hmm. And he catches his daughter smoking crack. And I do like how this is handled. He's like, where's the, where's the stuff at? She's like, fuck you. And then he just he just shoots it right back. I'm like, fuck you. I'm like, damn. Like, I don't even tell you you're supposed to talk to your daughter. Yeah, yeah. This this scene was really tough. This was a little embarrassing because uh, the the girlfriend was like in the other room, like cooking at the time. And I was like, I'm gonna do my movie homework now for the podcast. And she's like, Oh, that's okay. I was like, Is the sound isn't gonna bother you? And she's like, Oh no, go ahead. And of course, domestic drama yeah. is <laughs> like heavy ass domestic drama explodes the second I hit the play button. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh god, she doesn't need to wake up to no. this. <laughs> no. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was a little embarrassing. <laughs> um, yeah, it was. It, it's it's a well acted scene. Though. Her like being cracked out of her mind during this this sequence is really interesting too, because he's like frantically looking for the drugs, and she's just in a different she's dimension. Fucking high. She does a really good job in this movie too. I kind of she yeah, does. Yeah, kind of swept her under the rug. Yeah, I should say that she does a really good job both of being this character and being playing high throughout the film. Very convincing. Um, yep. Benicio Del Toro is uh, with the American cops. I'm guessing FBI. Uh, I'm not sure. He's a little scared. Like He like meets them in a parking garage, and he's about to book it because he's just like, I don't fucking trust this shit. But uh, he makes him take him to... Well, they want to take him somewhere yeah, else. He's like, and he's no, like, no, 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 Why? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love his solution, yeah. though. He's like, where do you want to go? And they go to a swimming pool. <laughs> a public pool. Yeah. Very smart. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if he says it here, but basically, in exchange for his cooperation and trying to take down uh, the general, he wants lights put in for the baseball field so the children can play at night and you're just like could he be any of a better guy than that it's ridiculous yeah it it like we'll get to the end when we get there yeah. but uh, like i'm really glad that the the film ends the way it does mm-hmm. it 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 really puts a shine on things that makes it more palatable and also somewhat realistic too you know um, oh, oh, sorry. I was going to say, you know what other character I have zero sympathy for is Catherine Zeta-Jones in this film. Yeah, she's awful in this. <laughs> it, I love the turn. Like, I kind of like her being like, oh, my stars, what are we ever going to do without any money? And she's like on the phone with the cash guy. She's like, I need to make a cash withdrawal. Well, so, well why not? Like, they just can't can't get any money. Um but the turn that she takes is pretty great. Uh, well, it it's a brave performance on her part because she does allow herself to be a very ugly character yes. um, in a lot of ways. Because that during the course of that that encounter she has with Dennis Quaid, um, she basically like they kind of tease out her her past a little bit, mm-hmm. where it she admits kind of to moving from dude to dude, rich basically. dude to rich dude, yeah. Exactly. So she is not accustomed to being on her own. She's accustomed to being provided for. She hasn't. She hasn't like a expectation for her lifestyle, basically. Yeah. And to be robbed of that is terrifying to the extent that it's very believable that she would resort to whatever it takes to retain it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, uh, she very quickly becomes 
like basically the antagonist of the story in a lot of ways like she's doing the most despicable thing she's the person like pulling the the most despicable strings Mm -hmm. uh, throughout the remainder of the film yeah uh she she takes some lemonade out to the guys in the van she's i guess she's become wise that they're out there uh i do like the little I love the chemistry of Don Cheadle and Luis Guzman. I just love their back and forth. Like they feel like they've been partners for years. It's pretty great. I love how they they edit around them because we always jump into like mid the middle of their conversation. It always feels so organic. Mm-hmm. Where like the kind of things that they're saying to each other are, as Kyle said, the kinds of things that people have known each other and worked together. More importantly, mm-hmm. uh, for a really long time. Did you catch the the little remark he made uh, when they were at the beach? He's like, "I lost my virginity on the beach." Don T- Cheadle is saying to him, and he's like, "Cool, man. What was his name?" And Don Cheadle just shoots him a look, and it wasn't even like, "I'm not angry with." It, it was just, it was, it was weird. I thought it was kind of funny. Yeah, there's a lot of those. Yeah, where there's a lot of gags that just it cuts away before you even find out what the follow up would have been. Mm-hmm. I forget what happens uh, when they're in the van. They're making a bet. And I think Luis Guzman cheats him out of a couple of dollars. And before we find out what the resolution of that was, it sounds like it's about to turn into an argument because Don Cheadle, like, before we cut away, he's like, what? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't make sense. (laughs) Clearly, he's just fucking with him. It's great. We tell us about the cigarettes. He's just like, you know, my cousin smoked. Did you you catch this? So he's like, my cousin smoked. He did the patches. And he's like, did it work? He's like, well, he's dead. Uh, but it wasn't really. <laughs> I love that. Wasn't, it has nothing to yeah. do with anything. Yeah. But then he hands the cigarette to Don Cheadle, and he takes a drag of it, which I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> no, they, they clearly, clearly, very talented actors had. They probably came up with a lot of their own material. If I'm being honest, they probably improvised a lot of this stuff. I can see that. Um, yeah, she comes out to the lemonade with a lemonade. Like, hey, I know you guys are watching me. I get it, but if you see somebody come, like somebody tried to take my kid today, basically, can you guys just keep an eye out? And they're like, yeah. Totally, we can do that. Um, drug treatment facility. Oh yeah, Caroline is the daughter's name. Uh, Erica Christensen, and she's at a treatment facility, drug treatment facility. Um, she's not going to say the very long spoiler. Uh, Catherine Zeta Jones becomes wise of some offshore accounts. She reminisces about talking to her husband when he was in prison. I think, yeah, and he's just like, "Go to the painting on the wall." Look in the back of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he's he's a little more subtle than that. Yeah. But he's like, yeah, you should like, you know that painting? Like, you should look into there's it. Mo- look into it. You won't get this, but there's <laughs> money in the banana stand. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, and then uh, uh, Michael Douglas has a sit down with General Salazar. And he asked the general, he's like, yes, we have to crack down on drug stuff. And he's like... What do you do about treatment programs? He's just like, we don't give a fuck about treatment. It's like they they die from OD. That's the treatment, and he's just like, oh, jeez. Um, Homegirl escapes from rehab. Like I said, she wasn't going to stay there for very long. <laughs> um, You're paying attention, right? <laughs> paying attention, and then we get some court stuff. We get Frere at the hotel. Uh, he, I guess, is a lawyer and. Like, my lawyer said I got my own room. He's like, fuck off, dude. Go pick a bed. He's in there with, like, four other cops, basically. Um, isn't the one lawyer guy, like, isn't it, like, the detective from The Mask yeah, or whatever? Yeah, Peter Riegert, yeah. yeah. There you yeah. go. There you go. <laughs> uh, and then, then the other one is the doctor from Grey's Anatomy, I think. 
Um, uh, he's like the hospital administrator, like the head, the head doctor or something. I only, I don't, I don't know. I only know Patrick Dempsey as the dude doctor. I don't know anybody else. O- older African American dude. Oh gosh, I do not know. Well, anyway, I'm pretty sure that's who that is. I'll believe you <laughs> for the people who care. You know what? I'll say it is. You know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna agree <laughs> with you. All out. <laughs> um, yeah, we get a witness at trial basically saying that she worked for the company and it was weird and she believed it probably wasn't a legitimate business. So we're getting the getting the gist here that this was not a legitimate operation. Um, and yeah, this is where we Catherine Zeta Jones is basically on the uh, having a meeting. I like this meeting that they have which she has with Clifton Collins Jr. where he's just like kind of taking pictures. He's just like I like to use a bomb. Like his his demeanor is it's, it's great. Um, yeah, it's really interesting too, seeing getting to see the character in two different contexts. Mm-hmm. Where when we're introduced to him, like he's pretty aggressively pursuing Benicio del Toro, like sexually, yeah. uh, and then he's immediately uh, tortured, tortured. Yeah. <laughs> um, and made to look absolutely pathetic, as anyone would after being tortured. Yeah. Um, but then here he is, you know, dressed up in public and like kind of excited uh, at the pro- like at the prospect of getting to blow somebody up. Yeah. So it's like it, this character, this performance, you get to see a lot of different angles of him. It's kind of interesting. But yeah, the, he tries to be somewhat covert here where he's pretending that he's just photographing the gardens or something when in actuality he's talking to her and she's planning a hit on Miguel Ferrer yeah. uh, to prevent him from testifying. Uh, and it just so happens that this is our uh, our assassin, our sicario, uh, who's being ordered to carry carry out the order. Yeah. Um, yeah, Michael Douglas finds out that his daughter has escaped from rehab. He goes home. Um, Benicio del Toro talks with his partner's wife, and she says that he's going to go speak. He's going to basically go speak to the DEA. Like, he's, I think he's already gone at this point. Um, oh gosh. Yeah. Uh, this is where we get the daughter with the drug dealer. Um, oh yeah, yeah. this is bad. This is, this is, this is the big scene that again, 16. I thought this was, uh, Sterling K Brown at first. Uh, oh. <laughs> when I, I'm like, is that Sterling K Brown? I'm like, no, that's not Sterling K Brown, but it looked like him at first. Um, yeah. Yeah, we'll just say that she's getting drugs in exchange for other things, and it's not great, folks. Not great at all. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty intense. Yeah. It's pretty heavy. Yeah. Again, uh, 16. Yeah. <laughs> um, bomb equals Clifton Collins Jr. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. <laughs> uh, are we going to talk about the assassination attempt, or is that later? Yes, so it's here. So the so basically they're trying to buy some time, and I guess the the uh, defense attorney found out that the judge may have a conflict of interest, and he's basically like, "Judge, we're going to have to ask you to recuse yourself. Like you're not going to be able to sit for this trial." Basically, so that's going to give them because Miguel Ferrer is supposed to testify, so that gives them some time basically to kill him. <laughs> Smartest man in the room. Yeah. As soon as they walk him out to that parking lot, he is wise to what's going yes, on. Very much. Uh, and this, no one else is. <laughs> so yeah, no one else. Literally, no one else has picked up on this. Um, God, idiots. <laughs> uh, but I never caught. Seriously, I never caught this before when I was watching it. So the guy who threatened to snap the neck of uh, Catherine Zeta Jones's kid is same guy. Yeah, same guy. Yeah, he's up there with. Uh, 
a, a gun. And I thought maybe he was like backup for Clifton Collins Jr., but I didn't realize he's an assassin for the assassin. Yeah, he is working for the uh, Obregon uh, brothers, mm-hmm. uh, who at this point the film are not seen yet, but they're spoken of. Uh, they're, I guess, the rival cartel to the 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 one that we've largely seen throughout the film. Um, so apparently, uh, he is the assassin to the assassin, as Kyle had said. But yeah, he's just observing from a window with a sniper rifle. Um, just wait. He's biding his time. He's he's waiting for his shot. So we have this. Uh, interesting scenario where we have Clifton Collins. He's getting ready to detonate the car when they load Miguel Ferrer into it. Um, and meanwhile, somebody uh, is trying to line up their crosshairs on him. Uh, so somebody's, got, somebody's, somebody's gonna going to die. To die. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, but yes, Clifton Collins Jr. gets assassinated on his way to shoot. Yeah, basically. So he's just like they're like he's like giving Catherine Zeta Jones the play by plays like they're going to the car. I think they're leaving. She's like, get out of the car and shoot him in the fucking head. And I'm like, damn, dude, she is not, she is not messing around. Um, but- she brought some of that soccer mom energy to that phone call. <laughs> yeah, she did. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the assassination attempt is foiled. And unfortunately, the person who gets uh, car bombed is Luis Guzman. He deserves better. But the way like the sound kind of drops out when this happens, it just it's a little bit more a little more emotionally heavy, you know, not hearing the bomb go off, basically. Yeah. Yeah, and then showing Don Cheadle's reaction to it, it it really sells the emotional impact of it, because it it helps that it's Luis Guzman who's been so affable up to this point. Um, But yeah, unfortunately, he gets into the car like an idiot (laughs) and gets blowed up uh, for his troubles. Yeah. Um, And then, poor uh, Jacob Var... uh, uh, the partner is in California. He's sitting at a nice restaurant, and General's men come in, and they're like, "What are you doing here?" Uh, and he's like, "Oh, just getting some food." Like, well, we know a better place. Basically, like, the gig is up, and Benicio del Toro is in the car, just like handcuffed, just like we're dead, dude. This you fucking asshole. Yeah, that that progression's fascinating because from a from a narrative standpoint, from like a film standpoint, it feels like a I don't know, like it could have been rendered more impactfully. Um, but I think in I think for the overarching like presentation of this particular movie, it actually is trying to communicate just the inevitability of some of these circumstances. Because like the second Miguel Ferrer is brought into custody, he is he's keenly aware that he's like it clock's ticking guys like I, I, it's not up to me i am I'm, I'm going to die yeah. like like you i you get you cannot keep me safe um and just demonstrating how demonstrating this through having benicio del toro arguably one of our protagonists in the story just get op- apprehended off screen mm-hmm. just like that just like just picked up by the wind basically mm-hmm. uh, just shows the immensity and the inevitability of the machine and how it moves but yeah i think it was a bit of a setup though i think that's kind of what the general's men said was just like they basically kill uh the partner they take him out to the desert kill him but they let benisa del toro that, live. that was so nasty the way they handled that yeah. um i i'm not certain actually i'm, I'm not sure how i read that if he was aware from minute one or if it was like you won't know until you know. So, I think it's kind of ambiguous. I think that 
they said the guy said like this is how we had to learn like this is what we had to do basically i feel like they were given information that they knew would have been valuable and gave them an opportunity to do something about it and his partner was the one that did something and got caught but also i was like did benicio del toro maybe say something because he was talking to his wife about this yeah and i thought maybe he just like he's gonna do it. like he's going to do it and he's just like i have to make they're gonna kill his wife maybe like maybe he just thought like they're gonna go further than this maybe that was just to save his wife's life i don't know yeah i i'm not certain either but the way i read it was that he would the to explain it the two of them are brought out to the middle of nowhere to dig their own graves mm-hmm. um and then they're told to stand facing away from two people holding pistols to the back of their heads and only Manolo is shot and Benicio del Toro is spared. The way I read it was that he was under the assumption he was going to die yeah. too that day. Yeah. And then when he didn't, it was basically, we, we cut the wheat from the chaff, basically. Yeah. He was weak. You were strong. You get to live. Now Now you know how serious we are, so you'll be loyal. Yeah. Uh, except he's a cool guy, so he says, fuck that, I'm out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although quietly to himself, <laughs> um, Michael Douglas can't find his daughter. He and the wife make up a little bit. Um, Benicio del Toro, I look. He just like walks out basically. Like he's just like he has like his "it's not fair" moment in the car. Like he just kind of punches the steering wheel a little bit, leaves the car there, um, and just walk right walks right past Catherine Zeta Jones, who's going to meet Benjamin Bratt. It happens a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do that cute like signal that two people are occupying the same space even if they aren't aware of each other in fact those two uh have done that earlier in the film she drives by him at one point i think when he's picking up clifton collins um but yeah benjamin bratt was a surprise he yes (laughs) like what's a handsome young man like benjamin bratt doing dealing drugs that's exactly what (laughs) i was thinking when i saw him benjamin bratt buddy you, you didn't have to go this route um yeah. <laughs> you've got options man yeah um have you seen your teeth <laughs> perfect um, your hairline it's fantastic fantastic <laughs> um yeah basically she she tells like my husband had this project where basically um you put cocaine into a doll like the doll is the cocaine it's undetectable by the dogs and my husband wants to sell so she's basically moving products so she can get money um yeah and i do like he's just like you have to take that he's like you got to try it first he's like i'm six months pregnant i'm not gonna snort the coke and he like he has like a change of heart he's like okay 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 i'll do it and it just is it's good (laughs) (laughs) it's good he does a tom he does a tom noonan in a robocop too (laughs) he's got the back of the teeth (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, uh, by the way, the, the, the doll thing is very cutely signaled throughout the entire film. Uh, the the trucks with, with that doll character on mm, them. I didn't catch uh, that. There's like a billboard and trucks uh, with that character on them throughout a lot of the film, especially the, uh, I think both in Mexico and in Southern California. I didn't catch that. Yeah, interesting. So apparently that's like part of their drug ferrying. Uh, service like that's that's part of the operation but it's only explained to us this deep into the movie it's kind of cool how they did that. interesting yeah i didn't catch that um yeah so benicio del toro he he's decided to inform basically he's going to assist um this is where he's like i want the lights for the kids um don Cheadle. i liked his uh i liked his reaction to doing the polygraph and agreeing to to assist the 
the feds or whatever mm-hmm. like he they're like you're, you're doing a good thing man and he's like i feel like a traitor yeah. like like <laughs> i feel sleazy it's like, no, and it's like it as a human being it's like that's that's very relatable where it's like it, do, it doesn't need to make sense it's just it's just the fact that you're acting contrary on the on your interior and exterior it it it's not a good feeling yeah. uh, to be to be uh, like deceiving people i guess yeah. Especially somebody who considers himself probably somewhat of an honorable man, you know. Well, I do like they're like, um, like we can give you protection. He's like, I can protect myself. You just hold up your end of the bargain. So we're like, well, what's their end of the bargain? What could it possibly be? <laughs> I wonder. Maybe, maybe he means what he says. <laughs> but yeah, so Don Cheadle hears about Catherine Zeta Jones going to Mexico, and he doesn't know what to do with that. He just kind of gets told like she went to Mexico. But... Well, he's also told at Luis Guzman's fucking funeral. Yeah. <laughs> <I> mean, there's, <laughs> there's an open case going on right now, Trevor. I mean, come on, time is honey. Um, <laughs> buck up. <laughs> this is the way. This is what he would have wanted. Oh, your friend got burned to death. Buck up, buddy. Throw dirt on it. It'll get better. Um, have a scotch or six. Yeah, have six. <laughs> Fuck it. Um, yeah, Salazar gets arrested. Um, as Michael Douglas is finding out about it, he finds out that his daughter had snuck into the house and stole shit. So basically, he's like, "She's alive. I need to go find her." Um, <laughs> His little assistant dude, basically, uh, he like puts him in check immediately. I forgot to mention him at the beginning. He's just like, "This is what I'm going to do for you. This isn't this is like just like yeah, yeah. like you did with the last guy." And he's like, "Well, he wasn't open to suggestion, you know." <laughs> so yeah, he's a he's a mover and a shaker. He, he's like a lot of what he's told when he takes the the job uh, by Albert Finney. Mm-hmm. And uh, this this young guy with this fucking Superman chin mm-hmm. uh, is basically they're telling him you need to put on airs and just be a good sport, yes. like just just suck a lot of dick uh, in the form of being open to hearing people and not rocking the boat. Uh, if any if any jostling needs to occur, push it on me. I can be the bad guy. Yeah. I'll I'll be the bad guy for you. You just need to look pretty and shut the I fuck up. I would love one of those people. Oh yeah, that'd be pretty great. That would be pretty mm. great. Just like oh, I need to have a tough conversation. <laughs> Go get him, sport. <laughs> I mean, they had a whole episode of King of the Hill about that, where they do they recruit Dale to be their the firer. Mm. Like anytime somebody needs to be fired, it's he is the designated guy who fires people. <laughs> I feel like there's a there's a classy way to do it. Hopefully, I never am put in that position where I have to fire somebody. But hey, who knows? Um, like a band aid, right off. I like how Michael Douglas finds his daughter. Uh, he does this by kidnapping a teenager um, from school and taking him to go find his daughter because that's what happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you know, a fucking politician. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> In broad daylight, storms a classroom and grabs a fellow by the scruff of his neck. Yeah, no, the state Supreme Court, the former state Supreme Court justice came in and stole a child. I don't know how he got off campus grounds with this kid. It's it's impossible. I know. For it's real. impossible. For it's real. the most yeah. unrealistic thing in the film. Is this is him getting him out of there. But he would be sued by everyone in that building that yeah. day for emotional damage. For sure. Uh, <laughs> but to- Topher Grace has this half good socioeconomic rant the first half half good half good <laughs> he had me in the first half i'm not gonna lie where he's just yeah, like i can't believe you yeah, brought my yeah. daughter to this place he's like what the fuck are you talking about and i'm just like okay here we go tell him about yeah the all that basically but 
he completely goes a different way with it where he's just like it's like these people you don't understand the psyche this puts on people that live in these kinds of conditions that they that this is where their value is but he's like you can go make this much money i'm like okay now you're losing me but yeah but no i i actually agree that like there is some there there is some truth there is some wisdom in there but but no, it just it goes off the rails, and it doesn't help that he starts things with "Hey, man." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, Excuse me, Junior. You don't think <laughs> like, a, a bunch of black people came into the uh, in the suburbs and tried selling a bunch of white people cocaine that they would? Yeah, it. I'm like, buddy, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Is, maybe rethink that yeah. better. Just shh, 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 shh. And you needed to pay it. This is this is what you're doing. This is what I need you to do. <laughs> you didn't pay attention. Oh, that's what it is. He just wasn't paying attention in class that day. He got half the shit, and then he got it all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, no see, one... that's what happens when you yank a kid out of the classroom too early. <laughs> too early. He missed you the can't... lecture. <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, Benicio del Toro basically tells his partner's wife, like, "Hey, he died heroically," um, and it's a it's a nice scene, like him comforting her. Like, he's great. He's a great guy in this. He he puts a fun spin on it that really does a lot to make her feel better. Where he's like, even though, truthfully, you know, his his partner was a heel, he was duplicitous. If you look at it from a certain point of view, he did actually like lubricate forward momentum for a certain aspect of the investigation yeah. so he his actions did lead to something beneficial yeah. so he, he makes he does quite a lot to make her feel better even though her husband's yeah. dead um yeah michael douglas follows topher and then they find her again basically just in a hotel room with a guy in exchange for this was a shockingly realistic sequence it was i, I was actually thinking when yeah. he basically like busts in and he's just like get the fuck out of here like i uh, a blue collar dad would have ripped this guy's throat out i'm pretty sure uh, <laughs> this is a death sentence. you can get away with this like prosecute no I, I think the i think the only way this this sequence ends is with uh somebody getting yes. shot <laughs> somebody dies yes somebody is going so, to die somebody somebody putting hands on somebody and then getting shot for it um yeah uh, this this was really intense. if you write this out on paper i would be shocked if you find a prosecutor who's gonna who's gonna go forward with this like nope i think we're good i don't think there's enough evidence here <laughs> <laughs> not touching that with a 10-foot pole nope. <laughs> uh it's testify day though we got to get to testify day um yeah yeah, yeah. idiots, idiots complete it's just a room full of shit they heads. really muff this one up don't they <laughs> oh my god i was i was yelling at the screen kyle the girlfriend was what upstairs by that point <laughs> no be, like as soon as the scene happened i was like what the fuck are you doing you have one job yeah. just 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 touch it just, just, just give it a t- anything. anything just just do something, you stupid fuck! The red flag. God, this. The, uh, the red flags on the rewatch too. But yeah, we we have another one of these moments where uh, Miguel Ferrer is basically telling him like, "Your job is useless. This is a futile endeavor, and you are an idiot." And he's eating eggs, and he he doesn't even fit, he spits them out after one bite, and he's like, "This food tastes like shit." Um, yes. And then goes to get a shower. Uh, even before that, as soon as they put the food on the table, and nobody 
tested no. it. I was like, what are you doing, guys? I, I was so pissed. I think it's because I have such an attachment to Miguel Fair. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe they didn't. I don't know. Maybe they just did not appreciate the situation that they were that he was in. Maybe they didn't realize how big this truly was. I don't know. That could be it. Because they did, like, I don't know, they the way he talks to them, he does really hammer home the, the fact that uh, he does seem to be a truth-sayer uh, throughout the whole movie. Like, he does seem to have the most perspective, like, the most pulled-back view of the whole mechanism. And at one point, I forget, I think it may have been in interrogation rather than during this breakfast sequence, but he straight up tells Don Cheadle to his face, he's like, the thing I hate about you the most is that you know it's this futile. You know, yeah. you know it's futile. You know you're not accomplishing anything, and yet you don't care. Yeah. Um, and it's apathy, it's like apathetic actions like this, inaction like this, <laughs> that demonstrates that. It's like, you think, you think you're doing a good job. You absolutely are. There, there was a really funny moment with Luis Guzman and Don Cheadle. Like, Luis Guzman's kind of excited to be in the van. He's like, this is what I'm talking about. We get to take down rich people. And they both go, white people. White people. That was so great. <laughs> uh, it was pretty funny. Yeah, that was fantastic. Uh, uh, but yeah, the, bre- the breakfast, like the whole yeah. thing, I was just like... I- I was upset, Kyle. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to watch this part. I know what's going to happen, that is, but I really don't want to see this. That is one dead key witness for the state. Uh, because And it's it, Don Cheadle's actions like almost feel reminiscent of Topher Grace when that kid ODs. Yeah. It's like he's so, he's just so flaccid well, and, and incapable of doing anything useful. I was with my uh, with a friend of mine. She, I was um, myself, her, and her or toddler like very young child and um he started choking on on like a chip or something like that and i got up and i'm like fuck uh i'm like i'll call 911 and she just basically fish hooks it out of his throat it like just starts like i mean it's like a dog you yeah you gotta do something because the baby's not going to be able to do it this isn't the first time she's had to do this is what i'm saying like yeah yeah. of course but she just like kind of just gives me a look like Whew, that was close. And just like kind of pats him on the back. And I'm like, fuck. I'm like, thank God I was not here with that kid. He would be dead because he would be he dead. Would be dead. But yeah, like I've been in like a, a panicky situation like that. And like Don Cheadle's just like, yeah, he's helpless. Like he. I mean, I mean, when a dude's foaming at the mouth, it's like, I th- it probably would be the wrong thing to do. But I was like, just make him gag. Yes, like try like, to get him to throw just- up. Just try to get him to spe- put like remove whatever is in him. Get him off his I, fucking. Like, that's the only back. move I would have. Yeah, get him- I don't know if it would help, but something yeah. rather than yelling help. Get him off his back. Like maybe get him over onto. Yeah, the- maybe do that. <laughs> that's how Jimi <laughs> Hendrix died for Christ's sake. He was puking. Take his pants off. Put, put some ice cubes in his that's asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Works like a charm. Um, yeah, this happened back in high school. <laughs> trust me. <laughs> but basically, it just cuts to uh, the state's case is just like uh, our key witness is dead, and basically we have no case. So, um, case dismissed. They have they have nothing to go with. Um, and I do believe at that point, double jeopardy had set in. So I don't know if they could actually. It would be difficult to bring this case up again. Um, I wonder if that was part of the timing too. I wonder if that was like, well, just we're the just, same person can't be charged with the same crime twice. There's, it's not as simple as it's not, it's not as cut and dry as that. But um, 
there are certain times there's a certain point in a trial where double jeopardy starts basically i think for a bench trial it's uh i can't remember when the first testimony is said and then like in a jury trial it's whenever the first witness is sworn in that's when the that's when the trial begins um mm. but that, this is your key witness if this is the best case you have against this person it's like well that's pretty much it i don't really know if you're going to be able yeah, to get them that's it's like poker you just fold yeah like, like we're not going to win anyway may as well not waste our resources trying to yeah um yeah general salazar uh he gets it and he's yeah he's the next one out um yeah he gets the exact same treatment by the way mm-hmm. uh, same boo box he gets put in the same boo, boo box boo as box. he was putting other people in yeah the boo box that was the most terrifying thing as a kid <laughs> That and the what was the the choke the choke I think it was oh, dude, we just watched Matilda it is so fucking good. Miss- I'll have to ask the girlfriend if she's seen oh, that one. She would love I, that if she has. I hasn't. hope she hasn't for your sake because Danny DeVito's fantastic, but Miss Trunchbull that character pop just right out of the, the way she shot. Just the largest, most terrifying woman on the planet. She <laughs> is one of my favorite movie villains now because of that movie like she is fantastic dust that off danny devito man as a filmmaker i i adore danny devito's films like he he has he and ben stiller mm-hmm. have some similar stylistic sensibilities but I, I love his dark sense of humor yeah. um we if i was to pick a director maybe that would have to be the one i spotlight Ooh, someday I, I would be down for that i would love to do matilda Give me a read. I do love his style. I mean, I know some of his his films are divisive. Like, not everybody loves Death to Smoochie. I love, it's I love small, Death but to Smoochie. Yeah. <laughs> it's a penis. <laughs> um, yes, dude. If you can get it, definitely get Matilda in. Um, gotcha. Michael Douglas's quitting scene in front of the White House logo. <sighs> oh my god! This is this is agony watching him yeah talk about brave um this is uh this is one of those performances that's uh again steven seagal wouldn't do this speech (laughs) this is this is remarkable how how cringe inducing this whole very long dragged out sequence is because he's trying to read a prepared speech and he's he's just at the end of his rope. He just he can't do it anymore. And he and he, he just does a Michael Bay at the what was it, the the Samsung conference or whatever. He's I'm, I'm sorry, I just can't. <laughs> he just walks off the stage. Excuse me, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, let's thank Michael Bay for joining us. Have you seen that? No, I'm, I'm, I'm. It's amazing. Going to look it up as soon as we get off here. The teleprompter fucks up, and and he just he can't he doesn't know he can't riff he doesn't know what to do so he just says I'm sorry and he just walks just walk off, off the stage. God, uh, yeah, it takes him a it takes him a really long time to quit, uh, but he it takes him two minutes of trying to get through this speech roughly, of uh, trying to like basically get a sentence out, but he's basically like. I can't do this. Um, basically, the agenda is like we are going to war against our own people. The drug on war, the war on drugs is a drug against our own people. And he's like, we need more compassion. Knock, knock, knock. We need more compassion for these people. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, he's on to it. Um, that this is where I have, hey, Meg, maybe Reagan was a piece of shit. Just saying. Um, yeah. Uh, winners don't do drugs kyle that's, right. that's what that's what arcades in the 90s taught me <laughs> just say no 
Um, <laughs> I grew up with kids that parents did drugs with their kids. Uh, so maybe maybe some compassion, folks. It's, it's well, not, they weren't winners. They Kyle. were not winners. <laughs> <laughs> Trickle down economics, Trevor. Um, oof, oof, yeah, oof. Carl talking. Get, you're getting nasty. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that dude. Uh, Carl talking. <laughs> Carl talking with DQ is pretty good. Carl gets one moment. He gets one moment, and it's basically telling DQ, hey, thank you for being by my side. Hey, just real quick, why didn't you tell my wife about that $3 million that we got in that could have kept my son from being threatened on a beach? And he's like, I I don't know. Yeah. He's like, she's really hot, man. (laughs) One of the most... Your wife... She's so fine. <laughs> She's one of the most beautiful people inhaling and exhaling at this moment. Um, baby, maybe she's so fine. She's so fine. I do like a good hitman showing up. Like, just kind of, like, you, I don't need to see them getting shot, but like, just the person realizing that it's about to happen is always so chilling. But yeah, just two guys walk into his office. One has a silenced pistol. I'm like, that's it, Carl. Or that's it, yeah. DQ. Uh, I'm, I'm fairly certain, like, it's pretty safe to assume he was departed. Yes. Yes, he was. Uh, yes. <laughs> he does not make it. But yeah, this is good. Uh, Don Cheadle comes to the, uh, uh, comes to the residence, starts some shit. Um, and gets into a scuffle with some of the security guys and manages to get a bug on Carl's desk. Uh, did you see the shove that he gives this big guy? He nearly knocks this dude down. This dude's like a foot taller than him. I know that that was a pretty that was a pretty heavy shove, man. Yeah. Like I'm not sure if that that guy is a stunt guy and he asked him to do that. I don't know. I hope he did yeah. <laughs> uh, because I like after the camera turns off, you know, I don't know what's about to happen to you, Mister Cheadle. But that guy's a lot bigger than you. <laughs> my money might be on Cheadle. He seems pretty squirrely compared to that guy. It, squirrely is the, yeah, operative word squirrely. And as we all know, uh, crazy counts for a lot. Yes, he's got those crazy <laughs> eyes. <laughs> um, yes, and then we have a successful moment in rehab. Uh, basically, um, uh, the daughter, I think, introduces herself, and then Michael Douglas and his wife are there. And it's a really nice moment. He's just like, we're here to listen. And yeah. I'm like, nice. That doesn't have to be more than that. Yeah. Basically, it just shows that they had a journey. Uh, he is he has removed himself from participating in the war because yeah. he's he's deemed it unwinnable and not not healthy for his particular life. Uh, so now he's he and his family are united in trying to help their daughter, and it seems like a potentially a happy ending for them. Potentially, it's a mega happy. Actually, no. it's a mega happy ending. <laughs> mega happy ending. <laughs> Scooby Doo ending out of nowhere. Yeah. Michael Douglas tears his own face off, and it's like, oh, it was Benicio del Toro the whole time. <laughs> or Lou Diamond Phillips. Lou Diamond we didn't know Phillips. you were in the movie. <laughs> uh, there was a couple of actors I was surprised that weren't in this. I should have written them down, but there was one in particular. I'm like, that person would have been fantastic in this movie. Not necessarily in a specific role, but would have added to it. But I can't remember who it was now, unfortunately. Um, oh, but wow. yes, then our movie ends with Benicio del Toro in Mexico. Yeah, this was beautiful. Yeah. This was a this was a fantastic way to end this film. 
So it's no dialogue. Uh, we just cut to a baseball field at night uh, in Mexico somewhere. Uh, and uh, there's kids playing. And wouldn't you know it, there's a bunch of floodlights on the field. And Benicio Del Toro's in the crowd watching and having a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the credits just up, start to appear, just kind of unexpectedly. But it's like, you know what? That's a great way to end this story. Because yeah. it, it, like the whole time, we've been kind of grappling with the futility of of the drug war, of this particular quagmire that we're in. But then we see something like this, where it's like, on on the macro scale, unwinnable. Yeah. On the micro scale, some people some people do get little wins here and there. Yeah. And maybe not visible to everybody, but hey, this this one dude made a very small difference uh, for for his community. Um, so in in some respect, his journey was a little bit worth it. Um, yeah, I thought it was a beautiful way to end the story because parts of it are so fucking heavy and frustrating uh, in particular watching miguel Farragut get poisoned god damn it yeah. <laughs> that sucked yeah he did get his finally <laughs> i mean he often does i mean robocop dead deep star six dead <laughs> this movie dead i think he... <laughs> another stakeout dead oh, i gotta watch another stakeout i gotta dust that one off um uh, but yeah, I fucking I think I really like Steven Soderbergh, but he's not somebody. He's not a director I would say I like by name. Like I like I like all these movies. I'm like, oh, I like the Ocean's movies. I like the Informant. I like Logan Lucky. I love this film. I'm like, I I think overall I'd, I'd say that I'm a Steven Soderbergh fan. I think that's that's pretty common actually. Um, I think a lot of people look over his filmography and are baffled by how many of his films that they've seen without knowing they were his. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I think I like this guy. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you probably do, because he's a pretty talented fucking filmmaker. That's kind of my relationship to him, is that I wouldn't cite him as a personal favorite, but the vast majority of his films that I've seen are of a very high standard of quality. Mm-hmm. They're very, very well put together films. He's a very talented guy. He also does quite a lot of his own writing, by the way. Uh, we didn't mention, this is an adaptation, by the way, mm. uh, of a, a British television series. Oh, I no kidding. Yeah, and I think uh, Pakistan uh, was the country uh, connected to the, the British Isles as opposed to Mexico, mm, okay. um, but also dealt with drug trade and stuff. It, I think it's traffic with a K instead of a C. Interesting. Um, but yeah, he also was involved in the writing of this film, I believe. But um, I didn't also mention that a, a good friend of mine, uh, he hit, Soderbergh is basically his favorite filmmaker. Oh. Um, and it's largely through him that I was able to parrot a lot of the a lot of the sentiments and the tendencies in his filmography. Like these are things that I've somewhat observed, but mostly have been told to me by a very good friend of mine. Who's a huge fan of his work. Um, But yeah, uh, probably underappreciated by like general audiences, but the people who know him generally really love this guy. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised if we talk about some of his other movies down the road. I'm kind of shocked it took this long, honestly. I would love to, I mean, I'd love to dust off Ocean's 13 if you haven't seen it. That could be, that could be a fun one to do. I, my, my buddy uh, told me it was very good. It's very Um, good. I think everybody agrees the second one is not very good. Uh, But he said, no, trust me, third one, third one's good. (laughs) Just throw that one away, but this one's good. Trust me. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I would I would be down to do any Soderbergh uh, that you pick out. Did um, Did you watch Logan Lucky? 
I did. Okay. I have quite enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, I didn't. Uh, speaking of movies, I didn't know he did. Uh, Behind the Candelabra, mm-hmm. uh, also featuring Michael Douglas and frequent collaborator Matt Damon. Uh, that was great. Yeah, uh, it was an HBO film, I believe, um, and I, I watched that a couple years ago. It was great. Yeah, liked it a lot. Michael Douglas, fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, Michael Liberace. Douglas, man, he. I can't believe Liberace is awesome. gay. <laughs> <laughs> Women loved him, man. Uh, Stefan never never watched uh, uh, Austin Powers, so we watched that a couple weeks ago. She's never seen Liar Liar, so we watched that a couple nights ago. And she never seen Dumb and Dumber, which we watched a couple nights ago. Wow, you checked off a lot of bam, bam, 90s bam, ass comedies, bam, yeah. like a lot of a lot of the big ones. Damn, Austin Powers. Educa- cultural education is important. It is. Kyle. That's how I frame things when I introduce things to the girlfriend. I, I'm like, this is important for you to get these references. Damn it, <laughs> Mike Myers is an incredible comedian. I know Wayne's World and Austin Powers like by heart, and I can still go back and laugh at them. They're still funny. It's still funny to me. Damn it. <laughs> Do you have a, oh no, I've gone cross-eyed on the board, I on the soundboard? I don't, but I will get that for the cross. I will get that for the I mean, for as many of my fucking tangents as you've put up with over the years, you need to have that. <laughs> oh no, I've gone cross-eyed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. Well, uh, Kyle's got some stuff to get to. Yeah. I probably do as well. That's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Sunday afternoon. I'm not doing shit. Um, so we should probably wrap things up. Um, but yeah, this was uh, Kyle's kitchen sink. Um, do you have any idea what you're going to be picking for next week, or is it a surprise? Well, it was a toss-up between hard-boiled and uh, uh, fucking um, a perfect storm. But I think because I haven't yeah. seen hard-boiled, I'm, I'm more likely going to go with that. Okay. Well, we'll shoot for that, but if you pivot away from it, no problem. Okay. <clears throat> but yeah, this was uh, Traffic. Uh, from two, the year 2000. And by the way, uh, I believe it was the front runner for Best Picture. Uh, Soderbergh did win Best Director for this film. Good. Um, I think it won at least three or four different awards. I think it was Soderbergh and Del Toro uh, who won. And Gladiator mm. won Best Picture that year. And I think a lot of people were upset. I think this was actually the front runner that was expected to win that year. That's that's a tough... I mean, honestly, that's a tough one for the Academy to deal with. That's... That's no easy. That's not an easy decision because that's one of the gladiator is just such a crowd pleasing experience that it's like I know it's it's not as substantive as like a movie like Traffic or something else, but that's a tough call. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm pretty sure the the more highbrow uh, members of the Academy were pulling for this one. I was going to say I, I don't know if it's disclosed it. This is a fantastic movie, um, and if somebody tries to tell you like, oh, I heard that movie's got like really shitty filters. Don't listen to them. That is not even remotely something to uh, to consider when watching this. That has nothing to do with the film. Just watch the film. Yeah. Yeah, that's really important, actually. Uh, probably not these days, but when this movie came out, that was quite a lot of what was being said about it yeah. at the time. A lot of people were joking that it looks like somebody peed on the movie. It's like no, uh, it's it's called visual language. It's it's grammar. Yeah. It's vocabulary. Basically, it's the movie giving you a visual signal that we are now in Ohio or we are now in Mexico or now we're in Southern California, which happens to be near Mexico. Yeah. Therefore it looks a little similar. Yeah. And by the way, these characters cross over and it's visual language. It, it's a artistic choice that I think is actually very beneficial to you, you, the audience member, because it makes it that much more easily digestible. Correct. 
Um, so yeah, shut up. You're wrong. Yeah. Uh, idiot. <laughs> that being said, <laughs> idiot. <laughs> that being said, uh, yeah, this was traffic from the year 2000, uh, directed by Steven Soderbergh, who is a very talented director, as we said. Um, and if you would like to catch up on any of our other catching up on cinema content, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, you can also find us on the social medias in the form of the Twitter at catching cinema, as well as the Instagram at catching up on cinema. Uh, so feel free to hit me up at either of those. And the podcast is available on pretty much every platform you can imagine, uh, including Bitcade. So fucking Google it. Google it. And uh, that being said, thanks so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Yeah.